Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 38, and also 44 through 46. I'm reading from the NIV version. And it says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Verse 44 says, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered was not has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour, pour, put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Lord, please help me bring a word. Help me remain calm, remove all the impediments and impurities and the things that displease you about me. As for you, Lord, to just let your love shine through your anointing so that we may be able to touch the hearts of individuals right now who are in our audience who are tuned in right now to 104.3 in their cars, who are on our streaming audience, the few that are in here on the praise team and other services that they do. We ask for your word to go forth. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. I want to speak to you from the subject, are you desperate enough to be blessed? Are you desperate enough to be blessed? Simon, a Pharisee, invited Jesus to dinner. Note several things. Simon invited Jesus to his house, but he did not extend to Jesus the common courtesies. He was rude to the Lord. He was not even sure Jesus was a prophet, much less the Messiah. Back then, it was a custom for the host of the house to wash the feet of the guests that came into their home, especially important guests. And the wealthy, such as Simon the Pharisee, who Jesus was a guest of, had servants that washed the dust off a guest's feet after walking the clay roads with sandals. Why then did he invite Jesus to his house? We don't know. Nothing is said as to why. The best speculation that I have is that Simon enjoyed the company of celebrities. And he had heard so much about Jesus that he wanted to meet and talk with him on an informal and friendly basis. Jesus ate with both sinners and religionists. No one was excluded from his attention or love. Even when they lacked the common everyday courtesies and respect, he sought every man. The house of Simon was the house of the rich. The rich always had an open courtyard, usually the center of the house. That is, the house was built around an open courtyard. Sometimes the host would allow the public to stand around in the courtyard and listen to the discussions in the in, in particular, when a rabbi or some celebrity was the chief guest, the woman was a sinner, a prostitute. She demonstrated what a sinner has to do in coming to Jesus. She sensed a desperate need. She was either convicted of her sin while hearing Jesus or else she had heard him before and came under heavy conviction. 
His plea for men and women to repent and prepare for the kingdom of God pierced her heart. She knew she was a sinner, unclean, lost, condemned. The guilt and weight of her sin was more than she could bear. She ate for forgiveness and cleansing for freedom and liberty. She approached the Lord despite all. She knew that the public scorned and gossiped about her and the so-called decent people wanted nothing to do with her. What would Jesus do? He, he, he who said, come unto me with which labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. She knew that if she was recognized, the Pharisee might throw her out of the house. He knew about her. She thought about the situation and her thinking turned into hope and her hope into belief. Surely he who offered such an invitation would receive her before anyone could stop her. She rushed to Jesus and stood behind him at his feet. See, in the east, the people reclined to eat. They rested on their left arm facing each other around the table with their body and feet extended out from the table. She surrendered to the Lord in utter humility, standing there, she was overcome with conviction and emotion. She fell at Jesus' feet, weeping, so broken that the tears just flowed from her eyes. She unwound her hair and wiped and kissed Jesus' feet. Seldom has such love and devotion been shown to Jesus. Now note this, there was only one thing that could make a prostitute enter a Pharisee's home. Desperation. <laughs> She was gripped with a sense of lostness and helplessness, of urgency. The loosening of her hair to wipe Jesus' feet was forbidden, forbidden of women in public. She must have been so desperate, she was totally oblivious to the out onlookers. The point is this, she was surrendering her heart and life to the Lord, begging him to forgive her. She was so broken, she was unable to speak, but Jesus knew her heart. Words were not necessary. She loved much, giving her most precious possession. Perfume was highly valued by women of that day. Apparently by describing the perfume as he does, Luke is stressing the expense of the perfume and the great sacrifice she was making. It was probably the most costly possession she had, so she was giving it to her Lord. However, there is something more important here. Know that she, what she did with the perfume, she anointed her Lord, anointed his feet in a supreme act of humility and love and surrender. Pharaoh Pharisees stoned women like this, and she knew it, but she was sold out to Jesus. At this point, she didn't even put her own life before him. The alabaster jar of perfume was pure nard, a perennial, uh, 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 a perennial herb that, that is harvested in the Himalayas. The, the jar itself made of semi-transparent gemstones and was probably a family heirloom. The alabaster jar represented her past guilt and future hope. It represented both her professional identity and financial security. Plain and simple, it was her most precious possession. How ironic, yet how appropriate that the perfume used in her profession as a prostitute would come, uh, become the token of her profession of faith. She ended up by pouring out every last drop on his feet. Breaking the jar was her way of burning her oxen as Elisha did in one of our messages on our Road to Recovery series. No more masking the stench of sin with the sweet scent of perfume. 
Oh, some of our lives are messed up, but we, pro, we spray on a scent of praise, and we put our nice shoes on, and we put our nice tie on, but people don't know how messed up our life is. Don't, don't, but but look, look, ain't, it, ain't it amazing how we spray the scent of praise and, and, and nice-smelling savor on us, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, women and men, to make sure we smell right? But, but, but don't you hate when people don't take a bath and put it on? trying to mask their filth with cologne. She stopped trying to smell clean in the midst of her filth. Oh, y'all don't hear me. She walked out of the darkness into the marvelous light. There comes a moment when you need to come clean, when we need to unveil the secret shame of sin, a moment when we need to let it all fall on the grace of God. This woman has come to that moment right here in the midst of this text. Why do we act as though our sin disqualifies us from the grace of God? In fact, that's what qualifies us. Now, I'm not saying go live any old way. Just follow me now. Anything else is a self-righteous attempt to earn God's grace. You only can be saved through the grace of Jesus Christ. We have to confess our sins fully to God and lay it all out on the table. Why do we try to hide what we do from God as if he has, is not omnipresent and omniscient? Breaking that alabaster jaw is giving what he is his most precious to you, uh, to him. It's offering your past, your present, and your future. It, 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 it's, 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 it's making a statement that your identity and security is in Jesus alone. This woman gave her most precious and valuable possession to Jesus. This is an intimate expression of love. What is the most precious to you? What is the most precious to you? Your spouse? Your children? Your job, your check, your goals. This is your alabaster box. Whatever is more precious to you. Do you love Jesus more than your most precious possession? The most precious person in your life? More than your greatest achievement? Is Jesus your first, second, third, and fourth love? It's quite possible that the alabaster jar perfume represented every last dime that this woman's, of this woman's savings. The value is evidenced by the fact that two gospel writers, Matthew and Mark, stated that the contents could have been sold at a high price to take care of many poor. Mark goes on further to even exclaim that it could have been sold for over a year's wages. That's a lot of money. Are you willing to give away your alabaster jar perfume? Let's break the jaw down to what it really represents, money. Are you willing to give your money away for the work of the kingdom? If the Holy Spirit prompted you to give away a lump sum or even all of your money, would you be able to do it? I know that when the preacher or anyone talks about money, we sometimes get a little irritated, concerned, and turn a deaf ear. It's a personal subject. You work hard for the money, and some preacher is telling you to give it away. Give it to an invisible God via the church account. Sounds crazy and crooked when you're not a kingdom-minded person. Maybe that's why Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell. Read your Bible. Jesus was very blunt when it came to money. Therefore, I will I be as well. <laughs> Obedience can be measured in dollars. So can faith. So can sacrifice. 
It's certainly not the only measure, but it's one of the most accurate. If we give God 2% of our income, can we really say we are committed totally to him? Well, just in case you're wondering, the answer is no, all right? If we withhold the tithe, can we really say in God we trust? It's printed on money for a reason. If we give God our leftovers and not our first fruits, can we really say we're seeking first the kingdom of God? God doesn't need our money, but he wants our heart. And where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Happiness is not a byproduct of making more money. It's a byproduct of giving more money no matter how much we make. Y'all losing me. I know. I know. See, time is money. It's not just true of time. It's true of talent, too. When we give money to the kingdom cause, we aren't giving money. We are giving a part of ourselves. When we give our treasure, time, and talent to God, we are giving intimately, just as the prostitute was doing when she gave her alabaster jar perfume to the cause of the kingdom work. See, our reactions reveal more about us than our actions. See, most of us are good actors, but it's far more difficult to take to fake a reaction. The disciples' reaction told who they really were when the woman broke open that alabaster jar. They said, why you wasting this stuff, they said. We could have saved some homeless folk. They thought this lady was wasting a great investment by pouring it on Jesus' feet. They were offended by it, but Jesus defended her actor. He called that, he called what she did a beautiful thing. Jesus went on to say in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And I'm telling it right now. Jesus gave this woman something to live up to. This is what prophets and true Christians do. And it's the exact opposite of what the Pharisees do. See, they murmured to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She a sinner. The only thing the Pharisees saw when they looked at this woman was a sinner, nothing more and nothing less. I believe some of them knew her. As the Bible says, Abraham knew Sarah and Noah knew his wife. Exegete what I said, you'll get it. I believe one of the reasons the judgmental Pharisees murmured to each other and didn't stone her is because they didn't want her to reveal any bones they had stashed in her closet. They just wanted her to be quiet and leave without putting them on front street. She seemed to know her way around Simon's house. Huh? He, 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 he described, he, he was described as a leper. What other woman would have socialized with a leper? Jesus saw past, uh, past this woman's mess. He looked at her omega and not her alpha. He looked at her ending and not her beginning. He looked at her purpose, uh, at the purpose she was created for and not on her sinful occupation. She got caught up in that, in that moment. God looks past your flaws, sinful nature, infirmities, and weaknesses. He calls those things that be not about you as though they were. 
He loves you and speaks you into what you were created to be. He doesn't call you whoremonger. He doesn't call you a cheat. He doesn't call you an alcoholic. He doesn't call you a liar. He didn't call her prostitute. He called her daughter and woman of God. Pharisees treat people on, on past performance. Prophet, prophets treat people based on future potential. Pharisees treat, give people something Something to live down to. Prophets give people something to live up to. Pharisees see sin. Prophets see the image of God. Pharisees give up on people. Prophets give them a second chance. The Pharisees reduce this woman down to label sinner. And we do the same. We give people political labels, sexual labels, and religious labels. In the process, we strip them of their individuality and complexity. We assume that bad stories end badly, but Jesus is in the business of tuning, of turning bad beginnings into eternal blessings. If he did it for the woman caught up in the act of adultery, he'll do it for you. If he did it for the thief on the cross, he'll do it for you. God would not give up on you. It's not in his nature. His goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You have to be desperate enough to turn around and break your alabaster box. But you know the good thing I just told you, that grace and mercy follows you all the days of your life. I'm so glad it follows me and I don't have to follow it. So when I make a wrong turn back there somewhere, grace and mercy is right behind me. Even if I go down an alley, I know I'm supposed, not supposed to go to. Even if you're tipping over here and there, God still lets grace and mercy follow you everywhere you go. That's why David said, even if I made my bed in hell, you are there right there with me. Even when you weak, oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying, even no matter what you're doing, God is right there with you. This prostitute was not on the guest list, but she was very good at getting in and out through back doors. There would have been a safer time to anoint Jesus, but she decided to do it in the moment the Spirit hit her. She decided she couldn't wait. She was too desperate, so she crashed the party and said, I can't worry about looking crazy to people. I know where my blessings come from. I recognize the opportunity is before me right now, and I don't have time to get politically correct for you. Do you, know, you do know some of us miss our blessings because we're worrying about other folk and what we look like. And I ain't got no money, but why am I trying to open this business? You, you, that, that's, why, that's, why, that's why Jesus, that's why the prophet Elijah said, when, when he went to the lady, that he said, go collect the jars, not a few. He said, go in and close the door. He told her to close the door. First of all, it's for your intimate setting because I gave you a vision. And also close the door so other people won't discourage what you're doing. Girl, what you getting all them jars for? Yeah, oh, yeah, so it, it just, the oil just going to come. See, 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 sometimes we're around people that talk too much and got loose lips and don't speak what it is we want. That's why I'm so glad that y'all did that song. It's a prophetic word because this is the year. This is the season. This is the year where whatever you speak, that's what you get. You got to understand. You got to learn how to put your mouth on some things you want in the spirit. I don't let anybody talk down what I know God's going to give me. I sat up here in a board meeting. I said, you know what? Write that down. Write that down. I was in the middle of a board and I said, hey, 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 I, some, somebody going to pay. I don't know if it's going to be the city. Some, some, somebody somebody going to pay our internet bill. And bam, here come United Way. Why? Because I spoke it and I believed it. And when people spoke again, I gave them a the hand and told them to be quiet. You 
You got to be crazy looking like Ezekiel in the midst of the desert speaking to some dry bones. How crazy? What if y'all were driving down Denby Avenue and you saw your pastor sitting on the side of the road preaching to some dry bones? Some of us have some dry bone situations. You better learn how to speak to it. And don't matter who's talking about you, you better speak to it. Speak to your dead and say you're going to be out of it. Speak to your sinful life and say you're going to walk in righteousness. You better learn how to speak to some dry bones and stop worrying about how you look. If that lady worried about how she looked, she never would have got her blessing. I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait to so-and-so lead because I know they're going to talk about, oh, here comes somebody else. Oh, oh, Lord. Oh, hold on. I, you ain't got time to be waiting on the perfect opportunity to get your deliverance. You don't have time to be trying to look all good and have your makeup done before you go before the altar and let God know you tired of walking in the light that you're walking. You got to get to the point and you, I, 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 I dare you to just blow your horn at somebody and tell them to break their alabaster box and stop trying to look like you got it all together. Stop trying to be all dignified all the time. Stop. I know we worry about people because the only reason I got a suit on because you here. <laughs> Keeping it 100. We worry about people. I'm going to throw myself out there. Only reason I got a suit on because Chief here. I bet they were looking at me like, that's where I got a suit on. He ain't wore a suit in the pandemic except on first Sunday. I got a suit on because I want to make sure I look pastoral when you came. <laughs> Only reason I got a suit on. Because I'm worried about somebody. But I ain't going to miss my blessing to impress you though. I get downright ignorant when I know God is about to bless me. I don't care about my doctor degree. I don't care about my master degree. I don't care I'm supposed to look like I'm dignified. If God tell me to jump off the stage right now, that's what I do. May not land as good because I was trying to wear a suit to impress you. But if I had some tennis shoes on, I could have jumped off and made an example as I preached. Some of us are tied up because we're worried about people. It's for me. I keep trying to tell people, oh, no, I did this, I did that, I did that. I don't care if they believe me no more. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think about you. It don't matter. It don't matter how close, because the devil will use people close to you anyway. Don't worry about what people think about you. Start trying to prove yourself and tell your story. Uh, no, I, I did do this. I did. Who cares? If they believe you or not, are you worried about getting the glory or are you going to let Jesus have the glory? One of my favorite, my favorite yet sad things in the movie of White Man Can't Jump. I don't know if y'all remember that movie. There's a part where he went and played basketball one more time because he wanted to make this money, but he went and paid, Woody Harrison paid to, to make sure he got his girlfriend, uh, uh, Perez, Rosie Perez, on Jeopardy. She never knew he did it. She left him, but he did what he should have done. But he lost what he wanted. 
Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying? Sometimes you're going to lose what you want by doing what God told you to do. But you can't worry about it. You got to let it walk on by. It doesn't matter if people believe you or not. Who cares? Who cares if they don't believe you changed? I know you can a little bit, but I'm trying to get you to the point where you ain't worried about nothing but Jesus. If she worried about the Pharisees, I know she dropped it like it's hot in that leper's house. Ain't no way in the world they're going to let this prostitute sit there and not grab her and snatch her out. He probably looked at her, you better not say nothing, girl. <laughs> see, see the, see, the problem with the church is we, we know how to spray our holiness spray on and look like we righteous and look like we got it all together and don't never want to tell the truth about our life. Don't ever want to tell nobody about the potholes and the speed breaker. Don't want to tell nobody about the, the, the curves and the cracks and the messes we made. Oh, we put on Instagram everything we did right, but never what we did wrong. This woman didn't worry about it. Jesus didn't worry about religiosity. See, religious protocol meant nothing to Jesus. I believe Jesus healed people on the Sabbath day just to make them mad. You know Jesus could have healed them on another day. You can't tell me Jesus could have healed her on Saturday on the way to church. Well, it's Sabbath, Saturday. You can't tell me he could have healed her on Friday and then went to church on Saturday. You, you, you can't tell me he couldn't have waited till the next day. You can't tell me he could have healed on Monday or Tuesday. He healed the people on the Sabbath day just to mess up the religious mind of the Pharisees. Jesus, I love you, but don't, don't kill me for this one. I, I can't say that. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm scared. It, it almost seemed petty to me, though. <laughs> he healed on the Sabbath day so many times just to snap on them because he knew they were going to get mad. <laughs> Oh, God, he healed her right in front of the pastor. And the pastor probably was mad because he couldn't do it. See, that's what I, I like about my personality. I, I don't care if you look better than me because I'd rather you look better than me because that you still here. <laughs> to the end of the day, I mean, you know what I'm saying? If leaders just let people operate in their gifts and let them shine and do what it is they do, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 what, whatever they do, let, let them shine in what they do. Some pastors get mad because the minutes and music be good and get somebody who can't sing. Ah! I know I can't sing. I don't care. Shine in it. Come on, somebody. I, I, I used to play my saxophone real good. When I came, I wasn't that good. I tried to practice. I can do total praise with you. But, but, oh, but, but when y'all got a saxophone player and he played better than me, I sat down. He gone. I might get up again. <laughs> what I'm just saying. <laughs> Stop worrying about people. Find somebody who don't care if you shine. Find somebody who clap for you. Have you ever seen somebody that always around you when you mess up and they never that when you win? Now, I'm not saying I don't want nobody that when I mess up. I want somebody that when I mess up and when I win. But some folk don't never be around you when you win because they mad because you won. But sometimes they come around when you defeated and you messed up because they just happen. I remember when I first did In Touch, more preachers came when they heard that it was small than when it was big. 
And one time we had it, it was small because I already knew people were trying to sabotage certain stuff. I didn't even care. I let it happen just so my team could see what was going on. But I knew we had another one coming up anyway. And everybody came in. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We ain't put in the team. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But when it was on the news and it was packed, wasn't nobody there. Well, the people were there, but not the pastors. I'm sorry to tell the truth. I ain't calling your name. Sit up and leave me alone. I'm just saying, sometimes people don't clap when you do good. I don't know who I'm talking to right now because they ain't got nothing to do with my sermon. Stop running to the people that don't clap when you win. They only tell you how sorry they are when you lose. They ain't sorry. If they were sorry you lost, they'd be happy when you won. Come on, somebody. Now, when you lose, I am sorry, but I'm happy when you win. If you only that when I lose. That's for me, too. Anyway, I'm winning now, so I ain't going to see hard none of them no more. But anyway, you. <laughs> see, 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 Pharaoh said church folk worry about what the order of service is. I, one thing I like about COVID-19, ain't nobody worrying about the program. It's up to camera folk. Daniel and, you know, Esmond and them, but they got to know it. They got to know what's going on. But ain't nobody in their cars carrying. They don't know what's going on. They just happen to be alive. I'm still breathing. See, the problem with the church is we get so caught up in traditional programs that we don't move when the Spirit tells us to move. See? Jesus said, I don't care about the programs. I just need you to know, do you have some Holy Ghost power? Huh? I, I don't care about your order of worship, but is there some power in it? Come on, somebody. And, and people thought I was going to be upset, so I, 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 I'm not upset unless you get paid to do something. But, 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 but they brought, they said, well, we forgot to do something about the veterans. And I said, don't worry about it. I'll do it after my preach. And then when I got here, I said, Mr. Cedar, I don't have my phone. Call your husband. Let him know we're going to do it right before I preach. I uh, got the praise team to sing again. And they sang the song that I needed to hear right then. They never asked you for it, but that's the song I wanted to hear because I wanted people to know you speak those things that be not. I ain't even asked you to do it. But because I didn't get caught up in the program, I didn't get caught up in the order. That's why I'm telling my camera people, you got to be anointed. My media team, you got to be anointed. Yes, I give you a plan because I want to give you one, but you got to learn how to shift in the spirit. You can't come in here without Jesus on your mind. You can't come in here listening to Tupac. You can't come in. You got to come in and listen to some Holy Ghost and music at least on Sunday. Just give me that day. Just give me, give me Sunday morning until the after 11 o'clock and listen to whatever you want to listen to. But give me that moment. Give me that moment so you can be under the anointing and know where I'm going before I even get there. If you're prayed up, you'll feel me. Because you ain't really feeling me, you're feeling God's movement. Flow. Y'all didn't even know what I was going to do, but you sang the song I wanted to hear. Didn't even ask for it because you're in tune with God. You ain't got to be in tune with me. Be in tune with the Spirit because I've done plenty of things I didn't want to do for God. 
Y'all already know the story. I ain't want to give y'all $60,000. I ain't want to keep my real estate company in hibernation for eight years. But I flow with him. Oh, man, I'm going to try to run out of gas. Let me hurry up. Roll your window down. Maybe that was a prophetic word when I was outside telling you, roll your window down. It's cool out there. Let the air flow through there. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're six feet apart. You'll be all right. Keep your mask on. <laughs> See, he loves people that have enough sense and humility to let him and everybody around them know that they messed up and don't have it all together. Jesus under the tax collector who climbed a sycamore tree in, the, in his suit just to get a glimpse of Jesus by having lunch with him. Jesus under the four friends who climbed up on somebody else's house, cut a hole in the roof, and let them down. I'm sure they got cussed out for that. I got a party in my house, you done cut a hole in the roof. You better hope my friend is in my car and not on my counter. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Jesus, I didn't know that was you. <laughs> but, and Jesus honored this prostitute who snuck in the party uninvited, risking the little reputation she had. Jesus rewarded her by restoring her dignity and giving her a new life. God is still in the business of blessing desperate people that prove they want what he has for them by their radical acts of unfiltered faith and humility. See, some of us filter our faith. We filter our humility. I'm leaving it alone. How desperate are you? Desperate enough to make a change, make a move, make a sacrifice, sow a financial seed? Desperate enough to pray all night, reconcile a conflict, read your Bible, give your life saving to a kingdom cause? Desperate enough to give all you all of you and your circumstances to God, you will truly experience power when, you are, when your desperation meets Jesus. If you want to grow, you must learn how to go out your way for God. You will find God in uncomfortable places at inconvenient times. But if you go out your way for God, he will always go out his way for you. Always. Go out your way for God. You will never outgive God. Do you know why God sent Jesus to die on the cross? I mean, I know he already had the plan, but you know what? He asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and when Abraham was willing to do it, he stopped him. Hold on. Ain't nothing more you can do. You ain't going to outgive me. Hold on. Pump the brakes. I'm going to send Jesus. I wonder if Jesus was looking at him like, man, what you doing? <laughs> but, but seriously, you will never outgive God. You will never outgive God. Never. Can I, can I talk? I, I, I ain't trying to, I promise you I ain't trying to, but I just, just I always speak out of the transparency of my life. And when I was fussing about it, when I was mad, I'm going to talk about it and enjoy it. Yeah, I gave up $60,000 with my real estate. Yeah, I gave it up for eight years. But, but now, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, Maxwell Realty is, 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 is doing well. You understand? Because when you give up your Isaac, he'll give it back to you. But he'll give it to you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. See what I'm saying? See, if you try to hold on to your Isaac, you will make your Isaac Ishmael. 
But if you give your Isaac to God when he asks for it, he'll give Isaac back to you in a good measure. Press down, shake it together and running over blessing. But you got to learn how to give it up when he asks for it. I'm not saying give up anything God not telling you to give up. I'm saying when God say give it up, give it up. In the name of Jesus, whatever it is people need to give up right now, Lord, move on their hearts to give it up. Move on my heart to give it up. Whatever alabaster jaw, alabaster box that we have that we need to break, whatever it may be, whether it be fornication, whether it be lying, whether it be cheating, whether it be stealing, embezzlement, racism, bigotry, greed, slothfulness, laziness, complacency, whatever it is, our favorite house, car, whatever we need to give to you, Lord, we give it unto you right now.